And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another meaningful conversation meant to help your business grow. Now, on that exact topic, AI, machine learning, smart computers, things that do stuff automatically and tell us how to live our lives or run our business. We hear a lot about them. Now, before we get into that subject, I do need to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, I mentioned AI, and it's a, what is that, and what does it do? More specifically, how can I use it to help my business grow? So in order to answer these timeless and complex questions. With me today, I have Lomit Patel. He is the vice president of a company called IMVU. They have a whole lot of users and do a whole lot of cool stuff, but he's also the author of Lean AI, a best-selling book you can find on Amazon. Now, you know I like it when you're interactive, so scroll on down to the show notes and click the LomitPatel.com link so you can see more about his stuff and some of his content while we get started. Lomit, welcome to Startup Hustle. I'm so excited to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We've got some complex stuff to talk about. Now, before we get too, in, get too far into that, you want to give us uh, a little bit of your backstory? Yeah, my backstory is I grew up in England. Uh, you know, I came over to, to the U.S. Uh, primarily right at the, uh, the t- uh, Right, right at the early time when a lot of the uh, the dot com thing was starting to take off in 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 the late nineties, and um, you know I went to business school um, in St. Louis, uh, spent some time in in Chicago, but ultimately you know been been out here in the San Francisco Bay Area because I've always loved working with startups, and my role primarily is to work and join startups really early, and and uh, I'm usually known as sort of the, I'm usually like the first hire who's responsible for helping to drive growth. So that's everything around how do we acquire customers, how do we retain customers, and most importantly, how do we monetize and figure out the right business model so that you know we can continue to build a a long term profitable business. So it, it, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've worked at a number of different startups. Uh, some have gone on to being acquired. And you know, one ended up going IPO. So yeah, you know, I've kind of kind of seen uh, uh, a couple of different uh, facets of 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 how that crazy journey can go with startup life. Yeah, and you're you're definitely doing it with Kurt, the company you're a VP at at IMVU. I, I'm finding information that says you have four million monthly users. That's a lot. So. Um, now, you know, coupled with that and your own experience, um, when it comes to AI and your book, Lean AI, while that book is, is titled and seems to be centric around ways that the venture capital world can do a better job of picking winners, um, it, that has a lot of carryover into growing businesses, in your opinion, as well, right? 
That's right. Yeah, just to give people kind of the uh, the background on the book. So I know a lot of people have heard of the book called Lean Startup. It was, it was really popular. That was uh, written by Eric Ries. So Eric Ries is actually a co-founder at Enview, where I'm working right now. And, um, you know, and one of the reasons for me writing this book was because, you know, Eric had encouraged me, you know, um, when I told him about the idea, because because he saw a lot of the things that we've been doing in the last four years at Enview. I mean, a big part of that growth really came from how we were able to leverage data as becoming our superpower for growth. And, you know, the best way to do that in this day and age is to leverage AI because AI enables you to kind of take your data and surface insights really quickly so that you can really pivot and figure out which direction you want to go as a business. And, uh, and just the way that the, um, the lean startup helped sort of revolutionize the way startups ended up sort of creating products with real time feedback to iterate products. I feel, you know, uh, lean AI is, is is a similar approach that at least from my conversations and, and I speak a lot at conferences, you know, I know a lot of venture capitalists have been really interested in this too, because ultimately investing in startups is, is, is a high risk, right? The, the, the failure rate is over 95%. So, you know, the big challenge with any startup uh, is not only, you know, creating the right product or service, that's kind of like the ticket to get into the game. But, but once you have the product, the, you know, the, the, it, the next biggest thing is really figure out, you know, what's, what's, who are the right customers to acquire and, and, and how do you drive revenue? And, and that's where lean, lean AI really comes in. Cause, cause a big focus of lean AI is, is, is around, uh, focusing on, on, on the use cases around what, what, what are the right customers you need to attract into the business? What is the right personal, because um, it's all around personalization nowadays with so much data, what's the right personalized experience you want to create within the product that's going to continue to keep those users engaged? And ultimately identifying like what's the right business model that to leverage to, to build that profitable business. And that could be a, a factor of whether you want to build a subscription business or you want to build an e-commerce build business or you want to build a business that's more dependent on ad revenue but based on which direction you end up going you know there's you know there's uh, there's a lot of things that you need to make decisions on pretty quickly based on what users are doing or not doing and and that's where ai really comes in because it kind of helps increase that velocity of learning at a much faster rate than if you were trying to do that ordinarily by just having a lot of humans, you know, trying to crunch numbers and then sort of bring up these insights. And by the time you generally act on it, it's usually a, a little bit too late because you've kind of missed that opportunity to really act on it at the right time and, 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 and given the user's life cycle or the product. So, there, you know, when it comes to AI, machine learning, and a lot of that stuff, the thing that, and I'm not going to claim to be an expert, but I've learned a couple of things along the way, largely through talking to folks like you and some general experimentation myself, is as humans are, are we're flawed and the fact that we harbor opinions. Um, and some of those opinions aren't really necessarily data-driven. They're biased by our own thoughts. And one of the things that, 
you talk about in your book is, you know, and, it, and it's pretty well known up to this point that when it comes to VC investment and other stuff, sometimes that's done on that good old, uh, that good old uh, database of gut feeling that we have all developed. And it, that's, I mean, that's case in point, my example of uh, making decisions based on our own biases. Now that said, uh, as I've gotten older, I've learned to trust my gut a little bit. So how does AI bridge that gap? Because there's data and then there's reality. Um, and, and they don't always run in parallel. Yeah, that's, that, that's such a good question. Uh, the reality is, you know, like when it comes to like, like investing in businesses, you know, you know, a good part of that is based on relationships, right? Getting to the right person that's going to, you know, that's going to connect you uh, to, to, to getting access to, to funding your business. But where something where AI really comes into place and where it reduces the risks for a lot of venture capitalists is, you know, is that, I mean, when you have a gut instinct, for example, hey, this could be a good business or this might not be a good business, you know, at that stage, it's just a hypothesis, right? You don't really know for sure if it really is or not. But but if you apply Lean AI into a business model, you'll be able to run through all these limitless scenarios pretty quickly to really figure out, you know, is that business really going to be viable at the end? Because it, because because it's going to start getting your real customer data because it's going to it's going to start helping you to spend your money efficiently to attract the right customers who who you feel is the right customer for the business and and you'll know pretty quickly is that really the right customer or not and and if it's not it will be able to help you pivot towards who is the right customer for the business what is the right value proposition because as as most of us know who've been through startups generally what you start with isn't necessarily where you end with when it comes to when it comes to being successful. But the difference is really trying to figure out when you need to make those pivots along the way, right? Uh, and and that's where you know lean AI ultimately doesn't put the pressure on the VC to say, hey, I bet you know you know my reputation that this is going to be successful. It's like, hey, this is one of many that 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 I think has potential, but let's put it through. The um, a, a through lean AI, and and let's figure out pretty quickly if this actually is going to become a viable business or not. Because ultimately, if it is or if it isn't, it it's going to save the VCs time and money. Pretty you know, and and both those are 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 the most valuable resources at the end, right? Because because you don't want to end up putting more money behind something that isn't going to work out in the end. So let's let's simplify this a little bit for those that that might feel that we're in, in over their head a little bit. And maybe I'm in over mine because maybe I kind of want to know, too. What are a few things that Lean AI would look at with your business, like more specifically? Like, is it based on the total size of a market? Is it based on the amount of money that exists within that industry competition? Like, what are some of the what are some of the core pillars that I know there's a zillion different things, but where where are the few foundational elements that that all of this starts? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, generally, when when you come up with a business, I mean, I mean, you expect the founder to to do a lot of that research around what's the total addressable market, what's the competition, and ultimately, you know, when you create a product, it's like how is this better 
or different than whatever is already out there. Where Lean AI really comes in is once you have the product or service, then it's a question of trying to validate, is this, is this product or service really have the ability to scale and become a big business or not? And so, so the big focus there is around the entire customer journey and, and, it's, and it's around trying to identify who's the, who's the right customers that you should be attracting for this product. What's the right, and, 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 and as you know, you know, paid user acquisition is, is a big part of where a lot of the money goes for a lot of early um, startups to, to try and create traction for the business. That's where Lean AI can bring a lot of efficiency because ultimately, you know, if, if, you, if you have a good hypothesis on, on who the customers and you start getting that data coming in, it will be able to take that data and be able to build the right audiences based off on who are your best lifetime value customers. And, and it'd be able to do that at scale across all the different paid channels, potentially where you would want to spend your money. And, and instead of being like dependent on any one channel, it's kind of like managing a portfolio of stocks where, 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 where you are basically investing based on where you're getting your best return. And so with, with Lean AI, instead of having you know a bigger team, because generally it takes a lot of people to try and optimize and manage all of these campaigns this machine has the ability to do all of that work so you, so you can literally get started with a really small team of maybe a couple of people and the machine's doing orchestrating all of these campaigns it's identifying the right customers it's running all of these creative tests to identify what's the right message to to for, for, to get people to take the action you want and then once once you get people to take an action and coming in or buying your product it's 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 testing a number of different like scenarios around what's the most optimal onboarding experience to get people more engaged with product and 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 as part of that um, the onboarding and the engagement it's identifying what are the right behaviors and habits you want to create in the product that not only get people engaged but continue to keep them stick to continue to stick around and use a product and to ultimately turn into evangelists so that they start helping spread word of mouth and then it also identifies you know what's the right way you're going to monetize those users whether it's through you know testing different pricing options discounting options or testing um you know whether you want to offer the product for free or and 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 try to monetize on on the advertising side. So so it's all of these like limitless um, hypotheses that generally VCs and founders have, but you can kind of put it in, and and, and instead of trying to cherry pick what's going to be the right one, you can just put all of those into the machine, and the machine will will kind of run through these different scenarios using real customer data, and and be able to validate what's going to potentially has works or what isn't going to work and so then ultimately it enables you to continue to, to focus more on the things that will work and, and 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 shelve the ideas that potentially didn't have a lot of legs to 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 to, to scale and and continue to build a business so one of the things i say a lot is saving money is making money and i have i i as you were mentioning stuff i only have two words written down on my notes so far founder error and that's a that's a real thing. So you talk about so as founders, especially in the earliest stage, we begin to make assumptions based on a number of different things. Um, I'll use a real life example that just occurred recently. So uh, Full Scale, and today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by FullScale.io. 
But FullScale is the, the company that I own, and we own a couple other things under that umbrella, one of which is gigabook.com. You used it to make an appointment to be on the podcast. Now, okay. we had to, because we aren't using AI-based stuff, we had to literally, so Gigabook is a appointment booking. It also sends text messages and different stuff. We had to go through a somewhat arduous manual process to evaluate our own users because I had the gut feeling that we were losing money on several of our users, basically based on specific costs like text messaging and different stuff. So we had to go through and figure all that shit out manually. Yeah. And it was not fast. Um, some other things that that are, you know, still that we're still doing manually is just simple calculations and computations about the industries that we serve, because there's hundreds of businesses that are using Gigabook to manage their business, but we don't classify or clarify at any point what industry they're in uh, because it's totally customizable. That'd be like, we, it's really broad. So um, in your model, the AI would tell us, Hey, look, you're, there's 10% of your users. You're actually paying money to have these people as users. Like we actually found a gym in New Zealand yeah. that costs us a hundred dollars a month as a client. Because they're sending so many text messages and and then they're international and different stuff. So is that are those kind of the examples that lean AI would help fix? Because it, it was rather time consuming. And honestly, I'm hoping it's guaranteed to be inexact because, like I said, it's not we're not being that analytical. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, everything you said is a really good example of where lean AI could could really help because because what it would do it, it would expedite that learning curve for you at the end of the day yeah and 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 the best way to think of uh, lean ai is is ultimately you know you know what's the outcome that you're trying to get to right as long as it has a clear definition of what success is and generally for for businesses when it comes to growth the success is the cost to acquire a customer and what's your return on investment and so if those are kind of the outcomes you want to optimize towards you know, instead of like trying trying to put so much pressure on on yourself to really come up with, hey, what are the things we want to focus on, right? Because focus is the big is the big challenge with any startup. It's like where where do you pivot your resources at any given time? And so, if you have some hypothesis, hey, um, you know, this could be the ideal customer. Maybe we should be, you know, doing this with a product or whatever. You know. Uh, you can you can literally turn the machine on and, and and run through real customer data to really identify like are you getting to those outcomes at the end of the day because you know whether you want to you know um, you know do an upsell bundle or you want to change prices the only reason you're doing that is because you're trying to get to some outcome at the end and and if it's not influencing the outcome then it doesn't really matter if you're doing that it's it's a wasted effort because because i don't know how much engineering time goes into like creating these pricing bundles or or adding different features into a product but the reality is that there's always a cost right and and is that cost you know instead of going too far into in into investing into these different things which may not really move the needle for the business it's better to know pretty quickly with some early signals because that's where the ai comes in it ultimately is predicting based on what it's getting that is it going to get you closer or, or or further away from 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 your definition of success and and if it's getting you closer then then you know yeah let's continue to do more of this if it's not then let's you know let's pivot away from this and focus on something else 
So I, I have a question here. You keep referring to the machine yeah. or the program. Is that something you've already built or is in your book, does this begin to tell me how to build it for myself? Yeah, so it t in the book, it really tells you how, how to build it for yourself or how you can actually leverage it by just putting a couple of different platforms that already exist out there together. You know, you know the great thing now versus before is that there's a lot of like uh, software as, as service solutions that exist. It's just a question of trying to figure out, you know, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. What, what's the right puzzles? What, what are the right pieces to put together? And for the most part, you know, you know, what, one part of that puzzle is your attribution and measurement data. Because wherever you're, wherever you're spending money to acquire customers, you want to be able to measure whether it's working or not. So you have that data. The other part of that is, is, is where you house a lot of your customer data. And, and if you have a product or service, ultimately you have a, a CRM database where, where you have a lot of your customer data. And generally, most of these kind of live in silos. But but the, but the great thing is now you can actually integrate all of this into a customer data platform because everything kind of lives in the cloud. So if you have all of this coming into one place, then you've got the um, the foundation for 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 where AI can kind of be layered on top of. And and the question is that that AI where does that come from? You know. You could either try to build this, but my recommendation is not to build this because ultimately AI is it, it's a moving target as far as the technology continues to get better, right? And and it's so hard to continue to to retain that type of talent to keep working on the product, right? To make it better. And so that's what, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Someone that sells tech services, tech, like yeah. the, the idea that you're gonna, I mean, unless you are a big box shop and you have a big budget. Yeah. You need to be buying this, not building it. Um, now, yeah, and I mentioned before we hit record, like there are some, there are some basic non-AI type things that some businesses can do. You can, like, most programmers can write sufficient algorithms and some other stuff that. And I mentioned we do that at full scale because yeah. we want to know who's posting for jobs because yeah. those are companies that we might want to contact. But the thing is, is right now there are over four, despite COVID nineteen. There are still 400,000 open tech jobs in the United States. So it's like you look at that and if you had all those listings and if they were current, how do you like who are you going to call first? So like we just did some simple things. Now, one of the things that you, you mentioned earlier is you talk about having some idea about like what's a win for you or like what do you yeah. like what what do you believe is good? Because I think people uh, with a lot of AI stuff while it will figure it'll, it'll, but AI doesn't, you don't just, Oh, let me go down to the store. I got some AI. I sprinkled it on everything I own. And now it's smarter. Like if we had to do a quick couple minutes on AI for dummies, um, like, you know, like you still have to know what you want it to accomplish or what you're trying to reach. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely correct. You know, AI isn't going to be effective unless you really have a clear definition of of of, of what outcome you're trying to get to. Because you know, I mean, I mean, the simplest way of thinking thinking of AI is it's, I mean, it's a way to try and get, uh, you know, how can you get a machine to think as smart as a human or even smarter ultimately? And and where AI is is able to outperform any human is 
when it comes to large data sets, right? And 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 the truth is, there's a lot of data that's out there, and 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 if you if you if you give it a gazillion uh, gigabyte gigabytes of data, it's going to be able to process that. But ultimately, it can only process that if it knows what it's looking for, right? <laughs> so so it's got to know what that outcome is that that you're ultimately trying to get to. So then it can try and figure out patterns within the data to to see, you know, what 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 gets that outcome you know you know an example of what, what you were talking about with, with all these job lists is ultimately you know you know another example is quality of customers like for us you know how we use ai is is to try and identify who are our best lifetime value customers but ultimately that you know there's there's dip, there's there's a good better and best type of customer or good better best prospect when it comes to jobs or whatever but you but ultimately, the machine is going to be able to identify and score different diff, different users based on on on, on what data is telling them, and then bucket them into potential segments. So then you really build these segments because because targeting the right user is 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 really important. Because if if you or else you're just kind of doing a shotgun approach to try and hope that you're going to hit the right user but once you target the right user then the second challenge is are you are you saying the right thing to that user to to to, to resonate with them that's that's another piece where ai you know it can can really help because then it sort of processes through all of these different messages that are out there to really figure out what's the right message for 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 these types of users that will resonate the most so that it will get them to take the desired action that you want them to take. So, so to back this downstream a little bit, so much of what we're talking about right now, you talk about acquiring users and whatever is related to marketing and yeah. advertisement. And right. that was actually my first experience with anything that was truly AI driven. Um, just simple things that were, uh, you know, helping with CPC. Um, looking at, you know, like just cost per click ads, uh, what you should be leaning towards, what you should be leaning against. And you mentioned like so many people in so many campaigns, if your business and your marketing plan get expansive and it will, if you're becoming really targeted, you got a whole lot of stuff to keep up with. And, um, so some of the basic things that a lot of people have used that have AI in it are just doing things like raising, uh, bids up and down. And too many people get get fascinated with the cost per click. It should be fascination with the CPA, the cost per acquisition. Am I wrong with that statement or correct? You're absolutely correct. You know, the most sophisticated marketers, you know, don't really focus on cost per click because that's just kind of a vanity metric, right? What they really want right. to focus yep. on is is what's it going to cost to get the right quality of user in, and 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 that's where the cost per acquisition comes in, and and that's where you know where AI is able to work is ultimately because it knows it's able to score all these different prospects. It, it will be willing to pay more for a certain user if it knows that user has a high propensity to recoup more money out of them on the long term versus another user but and 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 imagine doing this 24 hours a day 7 days a week 365 days a year it's just basically just number crunching and identifying let's go for this one let's go for that one and then and and doing it across all these different ad platforms because ultimately 
all of these ad platforms are like ad exchanges where it's all based on supply and demand. So even if you've got the great customer that you want to target, let's say on, on Facebook, but there's so much competition at that given time where it's really expensive, the, the machine will just pivot and, and go to another exchange and see, hey, can I find that type of user somewhere else at, at, at a lower price? And, and, and that's the big difference when you end up sort of building or, or leveraging an AI system that's more personalized to you because the algorithm then is working for your business versus what most people are doing now is, I mean, there is AI that's already available in a lot of these systems like the Google and Facebook and all these ad partners, but it, but the but the AI there is really built for you to spend more money with them because they have no... With them, right. With them. Yeah. It's, not, it's not really yeah. based on getting... You I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of those built-in things because yeah. like, and, and I, and dude, Google does awesome shit, but the yeah. thing is, is they want you to spend money at Google. I had this conversation earlier today because yeah. we were talking about some of the things like and a lot of this with when it comes to advertising especially paid advert advertisement in my opinion is built up to make you fail a little bit in the beginning so then you feel like you're making progress and you keep spending money there's a reason that google hides negative keywords they're not it's not largely intuitive to add those the same way as it is to add a regular one. And then, you know, they've got brilliant AI for cost per click stuff. But the thing is, is it's all about Google. Now, we recently had a guest that was a marketing specialist and he said something I thought was awesome. You, I, I, you made me think of this when it came to the multi-platform approach. So they had been doing Google ads for a specific product and they weren't getting a very high, like their CPA was really high. And they had been using a tool that figured out that that Bing, Bing.com, like when was the last time you heard Bing, Lomit? Like maybe not, probably not today. But the thing was, is they were they were advertising to an older demographic. Now, my dad still has an AOL email. Yeah. Okay. He, which means he's in AOL, which, and he's in his late seventies. So like that's, you know, people got conditioned to that and and it was a fair assumption that most of the people in some of these platforms were in a better age demographic. Like it would have definitely not had them advertising in Snapchat or TikTok. Yeah. Um, but, but that's important stuff to look at because as a business owner or a founder that's trying to grow your revenue, trying to grow your users, you shouldn't that's be concerned with where they're coming from. Well, I mean, it's, you want to be concerned with it. You want to know, but if you're paying for ads, you want them to come in in the most efficient cost-effective manner and you want them to maximize it. Now, if you can prove this theory and we'll go back to the VC part of this, yeah. I, this is now this is, this is clear because the AI and the computation and all this quantitative data and blah, 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 when you can show that to someone, you can say, Hey, look, so my business has done well for every dollar I spend. And this proves this, I get, we get back two and a quarter. So we're getting this huge return. And the thing is, is we've proven that it can be scalable. So if you want to put $2 million into this company and for in three months, we are going to have $4.5 million of revenue or whatever. Now, is that is am I correct that that is what's getting VCs turned on? Like they're seeing the true quantitative nature and they're like, OK, I believe this rather than my pitch deck just saying that it's so. Yeah, you, I think you pretty much hit it right on the nail with that, because the big difference between giving somebody kind of a pitch deck is is, is that 
you know, that's founder error, founder error, right? <laughs> There's a lot of founder yeah. error versus giving them like, you know, real, the real proof is really if, if, if you, if you use real customer data and show them that, Hey, I spent a dollar and I was able to get like two, three, four dollars back. But not only that now, based on the users that we're targeting, this machine is projecting the total scalability is that right now I'm just, I'm making out hypothetical numbers, but generally startups are probably, you know, if they're lucky, they probably might spend in 10, 50 or a hundred thousand dollars. But imagine now, you know, with this much money and this much potential, if you invest in a business, I could be actually spending two, $3 million a month or, or, or maybe even a day based on what that, range could be and you have a pretty high statistical validation around you know that 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 you know 90 or 95 percent confidence interval that hey we could spend your money and get you this kind of return that that's where the eyes light up for vcs because ultimately it's about it's about having predictability on if i'm putting this money in what's the predictability that i'm that i'm going to get this kind of return back out and that's another thing, you know, you talk about the scalability of growing a business and growing it quickly. A lot of people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to that founder error issue. So uh, as founders, we're ultimately optimistic. Uh, we just kind of think that we can scale things and whatever. But a lot of times with adver with advertising, the problem is, is, is people run this, this test and they'll like spend 50 to 100 bucks a day for about a month. And they're like, look, I get three to one. Well, the problem is, and this is where AI can help you determine that, is it's probably not just about adding another zero onto your daily spend, meaning like the difference in, in the CPC, the cost per click and the cost per acquisition between spending $100 a day and $1,000 a day can be remarkably different. Like a lot of these things kind of hit a summit and then honestly get to the point, uh, they, they will get to the point of of diminishing returns. So is that a big part of like using AI to determine the scalability? Because I'd like to think that the AI will say, hey, look, you're going to maybe cap out on this piece, but there's 50 other options that you probably didn't mention that you might want to pursue that appear to get the job done too. Yeah. And, and, and that's a key thing because every, every, every channel, wherever you end up spending is going to have some kind of, um, uh, rate of diminished returns where you where you start hitting a certain cap and 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 and, and unlike uh, there's founder error there's there's human error too with the way people are mostly doing this is that they'll keep spending keep spending they won't even know till they hit it and and when they hit it then it's like where do we go next but what AI is able to do is it it will, it will get you to that level or or with a high degree of confidence that hey this is how much you can spend on Facebook. And Google, but more than that, it will identify, hey, these are all these other places that we can go and find these types of users that you want to find. And 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 the potential there is whatever, you know, you know, another fifty thousand here, another twenty thousand here, but ultimately it identifies not only, you know, the the the, the, the big partners, but also the long tail, which is where a lot of where, where a lot of the scale comes from too. Which, for the most part, is it, that's where a lot of the human error happens too. When you're just testing the long scale beyond the the obvious partners. 
Well, yeah, I consider myself to be a long tail marketer. Um, and for those of you that aren't familiar with that term, uh, I, there's a really easy comparison. So if you look at the number of downloads that Apple gets through their music app, and you consider this a graph. So on the left side, you've got Taylor Swift, who just had her seventh number one album. That's way up there on the graph. You get Jay-Z and Luke Bryan and these other people, and now the graph's going a little downhill. And then eventually it gets down to the number of things that are downloaded one time per day. And that is a long tail on that graph that goes on and on and on. Now, I don't know if this is still the case, but several years ago, and I wrote about this in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, I, at one point, all of those ones added up, ended up being a bigger number than everything to and above. So the long tail is where the least competition exists. And a, a good example, and I've, people, I've made a living with this in, the, in, a, in blogs, which are my favorite approach for long tail marketing. That's the low hanging fruit, man. You don't have to climb a tree. You don't have to get to the top. You know, the apples are right there on the ground. You walk around and pick those up. And uh, a good example is like, okay, if you think, if you have, so let's say you have, let's not even talk tech. You have a fashion brand and you make blue jeans. You're not going to rank for the term blue jeans. I'm sorry. You're not. You're not like JC Penny or God knows anyone else that's been making blue jeans since the internet came out or is who you're going to have to climb over. So instead, a long tail approach might be chasing the uh, custom blue jeans for teen girls. Okay, that is a long tail approach rather than going after blue jeans. Now, blue jeans is the much more expensive keyword than what I just mentioned. Now, the thing is, is with a long tail approach, you got to throw a lot of lines out. I want you to look at yourself as a fisherman. You throw more nets, more lines, everything. You just looking for one click, but you put it out on 10,000 different ways so that one click that you get a day, which is also probably really affordable because it's low hanging fruit, that begins to swell up into a massive marketing campaign. Now, that's a situation where I could see in my own experience, if I had some kind of AI that was suggesting where I could chase that long tail, because it is very much like you want to talk about gut feeling. Like I literally sit there and come up with blog uh, article topics. And that is the least scientific process that I have. Um, but you know, like I said, with long tail, you're just kind of shooting out there. Now you won't ever see big effects on your long tail campaign right away. It takes time you get, but you get those things out there, you get them out there, you get them out there, you get them out there. All of a sudden they start piling up. Like, uh, my often co-host Matt Watson, stackify.com gets a million blog visits a month. That's free. That is organic traffic. What would it now? It took three and a half years for them to build that up. And now all of a sudden they get the best of both worlds. They get the long tail and they get the big keywords because they got a lot of people linking to them, a lot of different stuff. So sorry, I know that was a little bit of a tangent, but I love long tail marketing. And that's, I think long tail, the long tail approach is really tailor made for early stage businesses. Go get the low hanging fruit before you try to take over the whole tree. So sorry, I had to, I had to yeah. go there. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so so we recently did an art uh, an episode about the uh, about the some of the top reasons that startups fail, and the top reason is no no uh, it's a bad product market fit. Uh, can can AI help me figure that out? AI can help you figure it out. You know. Uh, 
because primarily product market fit is it's it's about whatever product service you come up with, you want to quickly try to identify is someone willing to either invest time or money for that product or service, right? And and so that's where AI, you know, ultimately, you know, you got to have some kind of hypothesis on who you feel your users are, but but until you actually go and find those real users you won't really know. And and that's where AI can really help you identify, you know, in the least amount of time, what's, you know, what's the most cost effective way to get some of those users in to try and help validate whether you do have, you know, actual product market fit, which I think, you know, for the most part is, is, is really important because otherwise you end up just chasing, you know, trying to like, you know, trust, like Google or whatever, and you just can't kind of put money out there and kind of hope they'll they'll find you those users. But you know, there's a lot of waste that happens in that process too. Well, that's back to, and that's the thing that that you're trying to avoid here, people, is the waste, ad waste. Um, it's the you know, it's if you ever read any article on funnel on funnel tactics, you know, like you're trying to make your funnel not leak, um, spending money on on ineffective marketing or trying to figure that out as the exam as the perfect example of a leaky funnel. I mentioned the word uh, negative keywords earlier. Um, I personally, my opinion on it, on paid marketing is that you win and lose on the negatives and the negative. And I, and if you're going to buy any, whether you're using AI or not, Google negative keywords and understand how they work. Cause that's, that's how you're going to exclude yourself from certain things I learned the hard way and the expensive way about negative keywords when we launched Gigabooks seven years ago, because we were, uh, oh, appointment software. That was our keyword. Uh, well, the thing was, is we didn't exclude. Uh, so it was, uh, excuse me, online appointment software. And the thing was, is people were going to the to Google and they wanted to make an online appointment at the DMV. So it would say online appointment DMV. And then they would, we couldn't figure out at first why all these people that didn't have business names or anything were signing up for Gigabook. And then we finally figured that out. But uh, it was a couple grand later, maybe more. Um, and really in the end, learning a little bit about the negatives. Now, um, has uh, have you seen, have you seen effective lean AI that helps me do things like know what to exclude and and what to get out of an ad campaign yeah because it's constantly learning at the end right you know like you mentioned you know uh, just taking your example you know you started getting people coming in that were probably doing these appointments but but ultimately it wasn't the right appointments ai will start you know because because it will start seeing all this data coming in from these different types of users or channels will be will be constantly sort of optimizing the algorithm and coming up with recommendations in terms of like who should it be um excluding versus who should be targeting even more because ultimately the it's always focused on that outcome and if if it if if it's not getting to that outcome you know the other thing is uh, is that it's able to project out pretty well right it doesn't need to like for example spend a thousand or a couple of thousand dollars to get enough data because because based on just getting you know enough of um uh a um, couple of hundred dollars worth of like data it can it can project that pretty accurately if it keeps seeing negative correlation to where where you want it to go then, then then it ultimately just starts to automate and start adding exclusions you know instead of manually doing all of that 
it's it, it, it's building that in and it's make and it's adjusting and and pivoting as, as needed so yeah that I mean there's a lot of things that happen in the background which ultimately to what you were saying you know saves time and and and, and saves money in the long long term saving money is making money That's right. <laughs> uh, if you can if you can learn how to sell more and spend less at the same time you're going to have a hard time uh, you're going to have a hard time going out of business, basically. Like, that's the way to do it. So once once again, with me today, I've got Lomba Patel, who's the author of Lean AI. You can find more information about him by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, before we get into the Founders Freestyle, which is the way we end episodes of Startup Hustle, I do want to remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io. We help you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, for the Founders Freestyle Lemma, we went through a whole lot of stuff. We talked about AI-driven VC investment, growing a business, CPC. We even had a brief dissertation on what the long tail is. With the Founders Freestyle, we give our guests an opportunity to close out the episode uh, I'll let you go first. Is there anything that you would like to say related on the to the many, many things that we talked about here in this episode? So what I would end by saying is that ultimately, you know, the your data is really your superpower for growth. And, you know, uh, what it comes down to is data isn't valuable unless you can extract value out of it pretty quickly. And that's where, you know, AI really enables you to do that because it will pretty much take, you know, be able to process your data at, at, at such a fast velocity. And, and as long as you've clearly defined what, what outcome that, that, that you want, that you, that you're trying to optimize towards, it will be able to figure out helping you to get to that outcome as quickly as possible. So ultimately, you know, you know, try, Try to really be data data driven and 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 really leverage data to really enable you to really. I mean, I mean, I mean, every running any startup is challenging enough, but if you if you if you if you take the approach of being data driven, it will at least give you better insights to 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 get around the different obstacles that that, that come your way. I think that that's well stated. I'm going to parlay off that for a moment. So the word data, data science, AI, machine learning, all that stuff, it scares people because we a lot like we don't understand it on many levels. Now, uh, it was about a year ago when I got tired of feeling uninformed about data science. So I got a couple Audible books and I learned about data science. I was like, wow, this wasn't uh, the fundamentals of this aren't truly as complex as I led myself to believe. And, you know, as I move forward, you know, we use terms like hypothesis. Look, hypotheses are meant to be wrong. Like take a shot, make some assumptions, prove yourself right or wrong. You're going to feel a lot better about it when you find something that's right. Now, for those that are longtime listeners, you know that I often say I like to try 10 things because I'm hoping that one works. Um, Technically, lean AI and what we talked about today can allow me to try 10,000 things, hoping that X number works, but I can only do so many on my own. So there's, I think we're really in this golden age of information and data. Five years ago, if you had, if you were a founder 
and you weren't highly technically proficient and you came and asked me about machine learning or AI or any of that and how you could use it in your business, I'd tell you it's not for you. Now, this five years later in our current time frame, there's more, there are more acts, get more access to more things that do more stuff than you ever have before. Like so much of this can be cruise controlled and piloted, but you're never going to know if you don't find it, if you don't trust it at first, get in there and do it on a very small scale. But, you know, remember that there's a, a lot of resource, effort, money, and everything behind getting this right. So you, you know, and as the, as the future, uh, no one knows what the future holds, but one thing I will tell you is the future definitely holds advances for AI and machine learning because uh, that's where a lot of the money goes. So anyway, go buy Lomit's book, learn some stuff, and give it a shot. I'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.